hearing the Word of God song or preached or taught or whatever, there's just some, certain things that sometimes just speak to your heart. Amen? This morning while we were singing, you know, in that, uh, that second song that we sang, it talks about Jesus forever the hope of my heart. I love that part. You know, if, if my hope for salvation <laughs> is in who I am and what I can do, then I really have no hope of salvation. If my hope for my salvation is dependent upon my good works, then I have no hope of salvation. My good works don't measure up. If the hope of my salvation is dependent upon me, folks, I am utterly and completely condemned to a devil's hell. I am thankful this morning my hope is not in me. My hope forever lies in the finished work of Jesus. Can you say amen? And if that's true for you today, you can rejoice. And if it's not true, it can be true before we leave this place. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And primarily, I'm going to just preach uh, to you on one verse this morning. Now, we'll look at some others, but we're really just going to be looking at verse number 6 of 1 Timothy. Excuse me, verse number six, yes. Verse number six of First Timothy chapter number six. Listen to what the Bible says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. If you believe the word of God, say amen. amen. Now, I, this morning, I want you to know as your pastor, I want you to experience great gain. I don't want you to experience some gain or a lot of gain. I want you to experience great gain in every avenue of your life. And anything that's happening in your life, I want you to experience great gain. In your relationships, I want you to experience great gain. Great gain. In your marriage, uh, between husbands and wives and wives and husbands, I want you to experience the great gain that's being talked about right here uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, it, with relationships concerning parents and children and children and parents, I want you to experience great gain. When it comes to your finances, I want you to experience great gain. When it comes to, to you physically and how you live your life, I want you to experience great gain. I certainly want you to experience great gain. Spiritually speaking, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're trying to grow in the Lord and become what God wants us to be. And so I want you to experience great gain. Let me tell you why. Because I love you. I love you and I'm praying for you and I'm concerned about you. And I want you to know that daily I pray for God's blessing and favor to be upon your life. God wants you to experience great gain. He does. Matter of fact, He tells us right here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 how we can experience great gain. Now why does He tell us that? Because He loves you. And He loves you even more than I ever could. He loves you with a perfect, unconditional, everlasting love. God knows you better than you know you, but loves you like nobody else can. God loves you and wants you to experience great gain in every sphere of life, in every avenue you travel. God wants you to experience His very best. And that's what I think He's talking about there when He's talking about great gain. I think He's talking about His blessing to the fullest. That's what God wants in your life. And he tells us how each and every one of us can receive that. He gives us two things here in verse number six that I want us to see. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we need you today. I can do nothing without you today, but I realize all things 
are possible through you. Do your work. By your power we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things he says there in verse number 6 that I want us to pay close attention to. If we're going to experience great gain like God wants for each and every one of us, first of all, we have to have godliness. And then he says you have to have contentment. Now I can promise you this. You're never ever going to experience contentment unless you experience godliness. You're never going to be content, satisfied in this life until you know God personally. And you have a personal relationship with Him. Because truly, that's what godliness is all about. That how, that's how it begins. And, and if you don't have that right relationship with God, you can never be godly. So then that begs the question, how do we have a right relationship with God? And there's a lot of different viewpoints on this. Man, when you talk to different people inside the church and outside the church, you get all kinds of different answers. A lot of people just think, man, if I'll just be the best I can be every day and someday when I stand before God and all my good outweighs somehow, there's going to be some great big scale and if my good somehow outweighs my bad, then God's going to say, okay, come on into my kingdom. And that's what it means to truly be God. Just be the, the best you can be. There's only one problem with that. None of us can be good enough to meet God's standard of righteousness. God is holy and just in every way. God is perfect and He requires perfection. And folks, none of us can be perfect while we're in this sinful flesh, in this sinful world. That's why we needed Jesus to come do for us what we couldn't do. So He was born perfect, free of sin, free of the sinful nature. Therefore, He could live perfect and did live perfect satisfying the righteous standard of the law of God, and then He went to the cross and took the punishment for your wrong so that you can be saved. Yeah. He took the punishment for my wrong so that I could be saved. That's what grace is all about, and all of us need grace. Yeah. You, me, and everybody else. I'm thankful that God has done what was needed for me to truly know Him. And He did it through the person of His Son. If we're going to be godly, we have to have a right relationship with God. And listen, the only way we can have a right relationship with God is through the finished work of Jesus. By placing faith in Christ as Savior. That's it. You say, brother, what do you mean that's it? I mean, there's got to be more to it than that. No, it's not what Jesus said. Take your Bibles, look in John 14. Now, if you don't have this up verse underlined or you got it circled or highlighted or something, make sure you do that before you leave. Memorize it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Man, this is powerful, powerful truth. John, Jesus said himself, John chapter 14, verse number 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Watch what he says. No man comes unto the Father, but by who? By me. Jesus said, you cannot get to the Father. You cannot have right relationship with the Father unless you come through me. John chapter 10, he said it like this. He said, I am the door. And if anybody will enter in through me, you can go in and out and find green pasture. I love that. But Jesus is making it plain. You must go through me. Now, look how he words that, though. Very important we see it. He didn't say, I am a way, did he? 
He didn't say, I am a truth. No. He said, I am the way. Now, he's leaving out all other options. He's excusing all other ways. He's saying, if you want to get to the God of the Bible, if you want to know God in a personal way, the God of the universe, then what you must do is go through me. I'm the way. Not a way. If you said a way, they left all kinds of other options. The pluralists believe that there are many ways to God. Listen to me. Jesus makes it plain I am the way. There's no other way to get there. You say, brother, that's pretty dogmatic. Not for me. That's not me saying that. I'm going to be dogmatic on what Jesus was dogmatic on. And he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the essence of truth. If you want to know truth, it's found in Jesus. He is the truth. I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says this, my favorite quote from him. He said, I believe in Christianity just as I believe the sun has risen. Not because I can see it, but because of it, I see everything else. <laughs> Boy, you think about that. Let that roll around. That's deep. That's good stuff. What he's saying is, when I found Jesus, everything else started to make sense. Life became uh, something that I just wasn't trying to get through, but now life has purpose. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. I know who God is. I know what He wants for me. I know He can use me. I have experienced Him using me by His power. And praise God, it's amazing. By Christ, I began to see everything else. Because I trusted in Jesus, everything else began to make sense. Life truly has meaning because of Him. He's the truth. He is the life. And if you want to experience abundant life and eternal life, like He promises you can have, you must trust in Him. To have a right relationship with God, you must place faith in Christ as Savior. Let me ask you, listen to me. I, I, I get serious with God and serious with yourself this morning. Have you done that? Have you done that? Do you know there's been a time in your life when God the Holy Spirit convicted your heart of your sin? Do you know you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and save you. Do you know there's been a moment when God did a work on the inside that He's continued to do on the outside? If you don't know that, today's the day of salvation. You will never, ever experience contentment without godliness. And you'll never know what it means to be godly without a right relationship with God. And you'll never have a right relationship with God until you trust fully in Jesus as Savior. If you believe it, say amen. Godliness. Now, once we have trusted in Jesus, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. Now, if you're missing out on Wednesday night service, shame on you. I said, brother, I'm just busy through the week. So am I. We all Right? Let me tell you something. If you're too busy 
to come worship the Lord at the appointed time of worship, you're too busy. Carve out some time in your schedule. And I'm not trying to be dogmatic and legalistic. I know that Jesus says Sabbath is not made for the, or, or man's not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for the man. And I know there's going to be times you've got your ox in the ditch. I get all of that. And you've got, you, you can't be here. I get that. But if you're just not coming because you don't desire what God has for you, there's a problem with that. So let me encourage you. Come be a part of what God is doing. Right here in a Wednesday night Bible study. I'm telling you, man, I love every service we have. I'm thankful for every service we have. But my favorite service is Wednesday night Bible study. I enjoy it. Come be with us. We talked about this Wednesday night. When you trust in the Lord, several amazing things happen. First of all, the sin that once separated you from God is forgiven and washed clean by the blood. The Bible says whenever you place faith in Christ, that His blood is applied to your heart and life, and you are made clean by His finished work, His perfect sacrifice, when you place faith in that. Now, your sin that once separated from you is taken away, therefore you can now be reconciled to God. Praise the Lord. Not only does that happen, listen, the Bible teaches you are born again into the family of God. You become joint heirs with Jesus and heirs to God. That is such an amazing verse in Romans chapter 8. That means we are made partakers of all Christ is and all Christ has simply because we place faith in Him as Savior. Isn't God good? Wow. I don't even understand all that means yet, but I'm going to be spending an eternity figuring it out. <laughs> and if you're a believer, you are too. Praise the Lord. So we become adopted into God's family. Romans 8.15 says we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry of a father. So we are, our sins are forgiven. We are born again to God's family. We become heirs to God, join heirs with Jesus. The Bible also tells us that we move from deadness to life. Uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee always said it like this. He said, Jesus never came to make good men or bad men good. Jesus came to make dead men alive. Yeah. And he's exactly right. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, We were all dead in trespasses and sins, but we have been quickened or made alive in Christ Jesus. I love that. Given new life, eternal life, which is abundant life. He makes dead men alive. All of that happens when you get saved. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are now become the temple of God the Holy Spirit. God dwells in us in the person of God the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Isn't that good? Because we now have relationship with God, and all of these great truths are made real to us, guess what? Now we can have fellowship with God. Communion with God. And this is where it gets exciting. This is where it gets good. We get to spend time with the God who created the blue sky. The God who spoke, stood on nothing and spoke everything into existence. Do you understand that? You say, brother, how do we fellowship with Him? How do we commune with Him? Well, several different ways. One great way is through prayer. I get to talk to Him every day whenever I choose. 
That is so good. That is so powerful. What a great privilege. Hebrews 4.16 says it like this. We can come boldly to the throne of grace so that we might find help in our time of need. Because we have relationship with God now, we can pray and come boldly to the throne of grace. So anytime I'm in need, I can come to the Lord. Boy, when I got a hold of that verse, I started using that. Amen? I applied that truth. I'm telling you, when things ain't going right in my marriage, I come boldly to the throne of grace and say, Lord, fix that woman. <laughs> Most of the time, the Lord fixes me. But, but when I, things ain't going well in, in my in my parenting with my kids, Lord, fix this situation that I can't fix. When things ain't going well at home, Lord, help me here. I need your help. I need some help in my time of need. When things ain't going good at the church, Lord, you know what's necessary. You know what each and every one needs. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. Change our hearts, Lord. Do what only you can do among your people. When things ain't going well at my workplace, folks, I bring it to the throne of grace and I lay it down before the Lord and say, Lord, I can't fix it, but you can. I've got a problem I can't fix, but you are the problem solver. Isn't he? And the Bible says now because we have this relationship, I can come boldly anytime I need to the throne of grace and find help. Help that matters. Help that changes things. Oh, brothers and sisters, Take advantage of your privilege of prayer. We pray. We come to services like this and we worship. This is fellowship with the Lord. You know what fires me up about being here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday evening whenever we have service? When we come together as the people of God, God promises that He meets with us where two or three are gathered in His name. He's in the midst. So what we're able to do right here this morning, listen, we are in the presence of God with the people of God in the place of God. Listen to me now. And God wants to do His work in and through our lives. We fellowship with Him in prayer, in singing the songs of worship, in preaching the message, in teaching the class, and whatever's going on, we're getting to be a part of what God is doing. And God will speak to you when you open your ears and listen. <coughs> when you come with desperation, knowing you need Him. God is so good. <laughs> oh, listen, folks, don't miss out. Fellowship, prayer, worship, study of the Word of God. That's why I continually encourage you to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved. He gave him command. He, Timothy was his, one of, who he called his young son in the faith. He said, Timothy is a son in the faith. I want to tell you, you need to study the Word of God. Folks, there is a lot of error in our world today. A lot of false teaching. Let me tell you how you can differentiate what is true and what is false by knowing the truth. You'll spot the lie when you know the truth. But you'll never know the truth until you get into the Word of God. And we get to spend time with the Lord as He speaks to us through His precious, powerful Word. I'm going to tell you something. If daily you'll make a decision to take time to spend time in the Word of God, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. 
A lot of people say, well, brothers, you've got to get up early in the morning to read the Word of God. That's all right if you don't get up early. If you're a morning person, get up early and read the Word of God. Nothing wrong with that. But some people ain't morning people. You may be better in the afternoon. I try to do mine right after lunch. Right after lunch, I get along with the Lord and spend some time with Him in His Word. And before I get in His Word, let me tell you what I do. I pray and ask God to forgive me of any sin that might hinder me from hearing from Him. And I pray that God would speak to my heart directly what I need to see in His Word. And I say, Lord, I need You. You've got to do it. Would You show me what I need to see? And folks, I want to tell you something. When you do that, the Word of God will burst a flame in your hand. You can fellowship with God Himself through prayer, through worship, through study of His Word, through communion with His people. Let me tell you why, brother, the same Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me. And sometimes God will use you to speak to me, and sometimes God will use me to speak to you. We can help one another along the way in growing closer to the Lord. Relationship allows us to have fellowship. Fellowship brings about godly character in our lives. See, when we're talking about godliness, we're not just talking about our person. Yeah, we are born again. We are brought from deadness to life. But we're also talking about our practice. Our character changes. Our decisions and choices change. Our attitude changes. As we spend time with the Lord, His character starts to rub off on us. Amen? True, does that's true with anybody though, isn't it? Don't we always tell our kids, hey, be careful who you choose to spend time with because they will influence you? That's right. And I'm going to tell you, you choose to spend time with the Lord in prayer, in the study of the Word, in worship, in fellowship with the brethren. You choose to stay plugged into the things of God. I can promise you the character of God will rub off on you. Just last week. Y'all know that last Sunday morning we weren't here. We were went and celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary. This past week at my workplace, one of my guys that work, one of the guys that work with us, he, he came up and he said, um, hey man, I heard you celebrated your anniversary. I saw some pictures on Facebook. I said, yeah, we did, man. Had a good time. I enjoyed it. I said, boy, God's been good to us. We, we're blessed. He said, well, look, y'all had a good time. He said, you know, how long y'all been married? I said, 22 years. He said, wow, 22 years. Man, that's a long time. He said, I've heard that if you, after you're with somebody that long, that you start acting a lot. And I said, well, there's probably some truth to that. He said, I've also heard that you spend that long together, you also start looking a lot. He said, that's why I pray for Miss Brandy every day. <laughs> Maybe y'all need to too. <laughs> I know she's already prayed. <laughs> I just, and but what he said is true, isn't it? Hey, you spend some time with people, you will start acting like that person. Your character will rub off on them. Their character will rub off on you. And when you spend time with God, His character will rub off on you. And that's such a beautiful thing. You'll start loving people. Extending grace and mercy. When they're not worthy of grace and mercy. And you'll love people you shouldn't even be loved by the world's standards. I remember when I first got saved. God truly did a work in my life. And I started having love for people that I shouldn't have been loving. It's in me wrong that said bad things about me. 
I went back and tried to make right a lot of the wrongs that I did in the past. Why? His character started rubbing off on me. And I wanted to be what he wanted me to be. I want to be pleasing in his sight. That's what godliness is all about, isn't it? He says godliness with contentment. What is contentment? Let me give you my favorite definition of contentment. It's an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace regardless of outward circumstances. That's good. An inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace regardless of what's going on around us, outward circumstances. That's contentment. Contentment changes your life. I told you at the beginning of the sermon that you'll never find contentment without godliness, but if you have godliness, you certainly can have contentment. No doubt about that. You will have that inner sufficiency. Satisfaction. There's an old hymn song that we used to sing that talks about when my soul is resting in the presence of the Lord, I'll be satisfied. You remember that? I don't like that song. The song's really not scriptural. Let me tell you why. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to be satisfied. Matter of fact, my soul is resting in the presence of the Lord right now. I'm not waiting to enjoy my salvation till I get to heaven. The moment I trusted in Jesus, I gained salvation. Listen, I don't have to wait to be in the presence of God when I get to heaven someday. That's going to be good. But right now, God in the person of the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me and dwelling in you, believer. I can have satisfaction now. I have contentment now. Now that's much different than the world sees things. There was an old song years ago, some of you have heard it. Uh, Mick Jagger used to talk about, I can't get no satisfaction. Anybody ever heard that? Y'all heard that. Now somebody don't like that song. He said, brother, I ain't raising my hand. Everybody gonna see me raise my hand. I've been listening to Rolling Stone. No, everybody's heard that. He said, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> the bad thing about that was, listen, what has that man not accomplished in, as far as the world is concerned? For over 50 years, he's been singing in one of the most popular rock bands that the world's ever saw. Listen, he's got more money than he can ever spend. He's got respect of his peers. He is a giant in the music business. But still, he's singing about today, I can't get no satisfaction. You want me to tell you why? Because money and power and possessions and all of those things can't truly bring the inner sufficiency, the contentment that comes in Christ. Can't. And it affects, again, every area of your life. When I am content because of godliness, it affects my marriage. You know what? I have no need of looking anywhere else for a woman because I know God's gave me my woman. 
Amen. I'm content. I'm satisfied. See how that works. See how that works. It don't just work in finance. It works in everything. But it certainly works in finance. That's what he's talking about right here. First Timothy chapter 6. Look, look, look at verse number 5. Let's back up just a moment. And, and, and look how he puts it. He says, There are perverse disputings of men with corrupt minds, and they're destitute of the truth, or they don't have the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. So there were there some people, some false teachers, who were saying that just because someone had a lot of money, a lot of gain, a lot of possessions, a lot of power, that somehow that just meant they were more godly, they were more virtuous. Right? And he says, don't even listen to them people. Matter of fact, stay away from them. Stay away from them. Because they don't have the truth. Now before I go any further with what I'm about to say this morning, I want you to know something. I am not against anybody being successful and God's not either. You know the scripture teaches that we are supposed to work as we're working unto the Lord at whatever He puts in our hands. You know what that means? That if you'll get out there and dead gum get after it and work like you're working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I promise you, blessing will come your way. It will. It'll come your way. And praise the Lord for it. And the good news is, you've been blessed so much, you've been put in a country that is the land of opportunity. Man, it's out there. Go get it. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And with God's help, you will be successful if you work like you're working unto the Lord. I was reading something, something the other day. A guy sent me a text message. It said he was talking to somebody and he told them that he had a financial plan that always works. That guy was coming asking him for money. And he said, let me tell you what you do. You get your job. And you get up every day. And you go to that job. There's going to be some days you ain't going to want to go to that job. You're going to do other things. But you know what? If you want money at the end of the week, you got to go to that job. And he went through this whole thing. And I thought, you know, that's simple, but that's just, that's real and that's what people need right there. Go to work. Go to work. And you can be successful. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having money and power and possessions. Matter of fact, God can and will use people with money, power, and possessions. Guess why? It takes money to do ministry. Amen? Believe it or not, it takes money to keep these lights on. It takes money to put people on the mission field. It takes money to feed hungry people. It takes money to do things that God wants us to do. It takes money to spread the gospel. It's just part of it. God can use that. Nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong with having money, but there is something really wrong when money has you. When you think that money is what make, gonna make you satisfied. Now listen to me. Get this. I remember reading, brother. Well, me and you talked about this on Wednesday night a few few months ago. The uh, the gentleman that um, in World War II 
that was stranded in, in, the, in the ocean after his plane was shot down. I can't think of his name now either. We thought of it then. We can't think of it now. Anyway, I was, I was reading part of his book. And um, he was talking about some of the guys that were with him in the raft. And how that they began to get so thirsty. Because they didn't have any water out there. Now, you think about this. They were so thirsty being perched by that sun that was blazing on them out in the middle of the ocean in a raft. And they were surrounded by water. And some of the guys started to drink the salt water. Because they, they, they couldn't resist the temptation any longer. I mean, you're so thirsty. Your throat is so parched. Your mouth is so dry. And there's water everywhere. So they started drinking it. Now, there's only one big problem with that. The more you drink of that salt water, guess what happens? The thirstier you get. Because that salt will deplete your, water, your body of the water it already has in it. So it dehydrates you faster. And then they started to hallucinate. And then they started to pretty much lose their mind because they had drank that salt water. That's the same thing that happens when people think money and power and possessions will bring them the contentment thereafter, the satisfaction thereafter. More is never enough. They just keep drinking that salt water. And they think more will quench that thirst and it doesn't. And they think more will quench that thirst and it doesn't. And they go on and on and further and further until they completely and totally miss out on God's best for their life. So here Paul warns Timothy. He said, listen, gain is not godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you see it? You see it? What he's saying is, wealth will not provide for you the satisfaction you're after, the contentment you're after. Let me tell you what else he says. Not only does he make it plain that wealth won't provide the satisfaction or contentment we desire, but also wealth is not lasting. Look at verse number 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Isn't that the truth? How many of y'all know I never saw a hearse being followed by an armored car? Don't happen. Dr. David Jeremiah says it like this. He says there's no pockets in a shroud. Truth is, we can't take wealth with us. It's not lasting. Now the good news is, what you do for the kingdom of God will echo throughout all eternity. Can you say amen? You know what Jesus said? He said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't break through and steal. And then he said, if you just give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, you'll not lose your reward. Brothers and sisters, it pays to serve Jesus. Can you say amen? It pays in ways that matter. Wealth is not lasting. It can be here one minute and gone the next. On Black Tuesday, which began the Great Depression and the stock market crashed. I've read in the history books and it tells us that men were jumping to their death from skyscrapers in New York City because they lost it all. Let me tell you something, folks. You can lose it all in your bank account. You can lose all that the world deems to be important. But if you have Jesus, you are still rich beyond all measure. Listen to me. With Christ, you become more wealthy, more wealthy than the world could ever experience. I 
again. Romans 8, 17. We become heirs to God. Join heirs with Jesus. Think about that. All that God has, I have a part of it. Because now I'm an adopted son of God himself. Godliness brings contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's look at the last part of this, verse number nine. Excuse me, verse number eight. We don't need near as much as we think we need. We've got to understand the difference in needs and wants. Can you say amen? The Bible makes it pretty clear, plain right here. He says in verse number eight, and having food and raiment, let us therefore be content. And what's food and raiment? Food and clothes. So what he's saying, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, as long as you've got clothes to put on your back and food to put in your stomach, then you ought to be content, brother. Now I know that we've been blessed beyond measure, each and every one of us. We are so blessed in this country, we're actually a little bit spoiled. And we think we need a lot of the things that we don't need. And a lot of times what we will do is we will sell our soul to make money and buy things we think we need when they're really not needs, they're only wants. And it really causes us more trouble than it ever causes us joy. It causes us more heartache than it ever brings peace. Why? Because we confuse needs and wants. Paul said, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11, he said, In whatever state I found myself, I've learned to be content. Whether I abound or have a lot, or I'm abased and have nothing. Then he goes on down to verse number 13. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if we keep that verse in context, he's not saying, well, listen, whatever I choose to do, as long as Jesus gives me strength, then guess what? I, I can do it. I mean, I, I see these uh, boxers with Philippians 4.13. John Jones has a tattoo of Philippians 4.13 right there on his chest. Now, I'm not against that. I'm for that. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But really what I think he means by that verse is, you know what? I can go into the ring and I can win my fight because Christ is with me. Well, there's some truth to that, but that's really not what Paul is saying. In Philippians 4.13. What he's saying is, if I have nothing, if I've lost it all, I can do all things, having a lot or having nothing, through Christ who strengthens me. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That's true for us too. It's true for us too. Verse number 9. And we're done. But they that will, be, that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare and into many foolish and heart hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now this is the most misquoted verse in the Bible. You, how many of y'all ever heard somebody say that money is the root of all evil? Again, money is not evil. Money is neutral. What you do with money can be evil. Amen? Jesus said to whom much has been given, much is required, and all of us have been given much. Each and every one of us. 
So I, I just want you to know money is not evil, but the love of it is. Money is a useful tool that God wants to use as we have, listen, a willingness to, to, to serve Him and allow Him to have control over, over our finances and everything else. God wants to use us and what we have. So money is not a bad thing. Money is a good thing. It's a useful tool, but a terrible God. Remember that. Then he goes on to say this, watch. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Folks, listen to me. Today you can have great gain. You can have what God is promising right here in His Word. But you've got to do it His way. And His way is godliness. Through right relationship. Through fellowship. That changes our person and then changes our practice. <coughs> Amen? And then we have contentment. That is great gain. Everybody stand together this morning. can't fix the problems that people face but you can and Lord today I know I have experienced godliness with contentment is a great gain and if there be one here this morning who's not yet found that out I pray you make it real to them in order if there be one here this morning who's not yet been born again, Lord, convict their heart. And if there be one here that's just struggling as a Christian, like we all struggle, we're praying today, God, that you do what's necessary in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need the Lord anyway.